I don't know if you know this, but um, if you have an iPhone, any iPhone people in the room? All right, probably half of you. Look at that, 50-50. The rest of you, I'm assuming, are Androids, but uh, maybe not. Um, but if you have an Android, I don't know if you know this, but you've helped make Apple the biggest company in the world. The biggest company in the world. As of this week, the value of Apple is $2.5 trillion dollars. If, if Apple was a country, that would make it the eighth largest country in the world by just market, market size. Wealthier than entire countries like Canada, Italy, Brazil. Um, massive, massive company. I mean, you can't even write, wrap, wrap your brain around $2.5 trillion. But that's how, how much value this, this company has. It wasn't always this way for Apple, though. The company started way back in 1976, two years after I was born. Started by two guys, Steve Jobs Steve, and Steve Wozniak. And under the leadership of these two guys, the company became pretty successful. But then about probably 10 to 12 years into Apple's, uh, Apple's existence, all of a sudden, Steve Jobs, maybe you've heard about this before, seen the movie, whatever. Steve Jobs had a pretty big falling out with the board, and the board actually ended up kind of firing him. Off he went, and he did some other stuff for about 10 to 12 years. And all of a sudden, Apple went downhill really fast. They went from being this company that was this innovator and all these new technologies and a company that just had a laser focus on simplicity and quality to a company that was now working on many, many, many projects all over the map. They had gotten way off track. They had no boundaries and they were just distracted from their core mission. And so as a result, they were on the brink of becoming bankrupt and so they had the idea, hey, let's get Steve Jobs back on staff. And through a bunch of different events, pretty soon Steve Jobs was the CEO of the company again. And when he got back, he went to work really, really fast. First thing he did is he actually went and borrowed $150 million from, from of all people, Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft. And uh, then right after that, he had one strategy session after another strategy session. Um, he could see that the company that he founded was in total chaos. There was disunity. And they were just all over the map. And in one infamous product strategy session, Jobs stood up in the middle of the meeting and he just kind of yelled, stop, this is crazy. And he gets up, he walks over to the whiteboard, and he created some very clear boundaries for the, for the company. Where, where the series that we're in right now is called Where to Draw the Line. And Steve Jobs actually got up and he drew just two lines on the whiteboard. He drew a line down and a line across, forming a four-square little box. And he labeled the two columns, consumer and pro, and the rows, desktop and portable. And he told his team that their job was to make just four great products. Just four. Get rid of all the other stuff, and we're just going to do four things really well. He ended up actually getting rid of 70% of Apple's products that they were working on. That's a lot. And nobody can argue with the results. Out of that came the iPod. Are those still around these days, the iPod? Okay, all right. Um, the iPad came out of that. Sleek new design for the iMac and the MacBook, all these, these great Apple products. And then, of course, the thing that has arguably changed the world more than just about anything else in the last 20 years, the iPhone. Boundaries, as we're talking about in this series, are, are, are a really good thing to have. 
whether you're the leader of a large company, whether you're a mom wondering how life got so crazy, or maybe you're here in the room and you're a, a teenager or your student back in school after just kind of a take, taking a little easy in the summertime, and as you're back in the swing of fall, you're just going, life is crazy. How did life get so crazy? I feel like I need to have some boundaries in my life. How do I do that? But boundaries are good, and without them, you have no control of your life. Others control your life, telling you how to spend your time, sometimes maybe even using a little guilt or a little shame. Without boundaries, there's no focus. Uh, rather than give yourself to the people and to the activities that, that, that really matter most to you and where you should be putting most of your time and energy, you find yourself giving yourself to so many different things. Without boundaries, you can even lose sight of who you are. Because boundaries help define your identity. What is a boundary? Well, last week we looked at how in, in the physical world, a boundary, it's, it's a line. Sometimes that line is visible. Sometimes it's not. Right here we have a bit of a boundary line. This is the stage. That, this is where the stage ends and what the, the non-stage begins. Um, boundaries are sometimes a fence, a door. Could be a national border. All these things form physical boundaries. In the interior world of the heart and soul, boundaries are similar, but they're, they're a little different. And the best and, and simplest description that I've found of, of an internal boundary is this. A boundary is a limit or space between you and the other person, a clear place where you begin and the other person ends. It's a limit or a space between you and the other person, a clear space where you begin and the other person ends. And they're good because they help you protect and take care of yourself. They help you stay focused. They keep you from becoming overwhelmed. They help you keep the bad out and let the good in, as we looked at last week. They enable you to live out your God-given purpose. And they're also good because, as we're going to see this morning, they also help protect and take care of the other person as well. And in Scripture, we see that, that having boundaries, having limits or space between you and others is actually a good thing. Paul, in, in Titus 3.10 he instructs this young disciple of his, Titus, on some boundaries. He says, warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Paul is saying, protect yourself and protect those you care about by putting a boundary, a limit, a space between you and, and a divisive person. In another place, the, the apostle John, he comes along and he instructs the church about someone who's teaching falsely saying this. He says, if anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, so they're teaching some kind of other gospel, he, he then goes on to describe setting up a boundary. He says, don't invite that person into your home. What? I thought we were supposed to be friends with everybody. I thought we were supposed to have everybody in our life, no matter who they are. Apparently not. The Bible says it's actually good to have some boundaries set up. Boundaries are a good thing. And then as we saw last week, Jesus was constantly setting boundaries. He needed to restore his soul. And so what would he do? He would walk away from the crowd, set, put space, some distance between him and the crowd so that he could have some solitude. Um, another time, seeing that people were misusing the temple. We all remember that scene in the, in the Bible where he comes along, he, he forms that whip, and he, he's flipping over tables as he's, he's, he's putting a boundary. He's helping people understand, hey, there's a, a right way to... To, to use the temple in a wrong way to use the temple. 
setting up boundaries. So if boundaries are a good thing, why do we have such a hard time setting them? Isn't that the question? Why do we, why do we have a hard time setting good, healthy, strong boundaries? I think if you look at all the reasons, there's, there's probably a bunch of different reasons, but I think if you look at all the reasons why we have a hard time setting boundaries, you could probably boil them down to two, diff- two different things. One is that we feel selfish setting a boundary, and, and the other reason is we, we just don't want to hurt people by setting boundaries. When I was uh, um, uh, living up in Canada and pastoring up in Canada, um, there was a time way back in the day, at least up in Canada, where um, churches would put on these big musical productions. Have you ever been a part of a church that did this? Like maybe Easter or Christmas, you put on these big productions. Well, back in the day, this was really, this was like a big thing. And this church, the first church right out of Bible college, first church that, that I, I was on staff in, uh, they did these massive Christmas and Easter productions. I'm talking massive. And, uh, I mean, we would have like full-on, like, biblical costumes for everybody. We would have these massive stage and set designs. We would spend months upon months memorizing lines. I mean, it was, it was a massive deal. Uh, we would even have live animals in some of these things. One year we had a llama walk right down the center aisle as part of the Christmas barn scene there. I mean, when I say huge, these, these were massive undertakings. Now understand that this church was not a mega church. It was a church probably about the same size as our church. And so what that meant is that everybody who, was, who called that church home or maybe they even just called that church home like 10 years ago, whatever. We needed them to be involved in these productions. Otherwise, you just could not pull them off. And it was never an issue finding people to be involved because we had one particular person on the team who was, shall we say, skilled at getting people to say yes to anything. <laughs> and so she actually managed to get this. We, I remember we had this one guy in our church who was this like this rancher dude, and he did cows and horses and all that kind of stuff. She somehow convinced this guy to be Jesus one year and convinced him to like strip down to just like a little loincloth and be up on the cross. Um, She convinced another guy, this big burly police officer that we had in our church, she somehow got this guy to say yes to wearing like essentially a long dress, memorizing lines. I remember one year she talked uh, me and Becky into being Mary and Joseph in this play. I had to put on makeup. I'm allergic to makeup. And I had to memorize all these lines. Just not my, my thing at all. But she just had this gift. You, you, you just felt like you had to say yes because if you said no, you just felt like you were being selfish, like you were letting her down. And, and I imagine nobody in here has ever had that experience in volunteering a church in your life, ever. Um, but you know, how, you know how it goes. You just, you just feel, feel selfish if you put up that boundary and you just say, you say no. So what, what ends up happening, you, you, say, you say yes. We refuse to set a boundary. Why? Because we believe the lie that doing so would be selfish. We think that if I protect and I take care of myself, if, if, I, if I do what I feel like I'm called to do, then I'm just making it all about me. And that sounds selfish. So I, just, I, need, I should probably say yes. After all, that sounds more loving. That sounds like something that maybe a follower of Jesus would do. Just say yes to everything and make everybody feel good about me saying yes to whatever they're asking me to do. But it's actually, it's actually not loving. And, and when you know your limits, when you know who you are and you know who you aren't, 
when you stick to being and doing what God's called you to, and then you put boundaries around that, that's the loving, caring thing to do. Why? Because it's in that place that you're able to serve others the best. You're able to do it from a place of joy. You're able to do it from a place of fulfillment. You're able to do it from a place of just knowing the smile of God on your life. And when you do it from that place, rather than from a place of resentment, you're, you're actually, you're, you're being a, a tremendous blessing to, to those in your life. But we say no because we just feel like, oh, I'm just being selfish. If I, if I put a boundary up, I'm being, I'm being selfish. The other reason that we hesitate um, is, is that we just, we, we, we're just too worried about possibly hurting somebody if we say no or if we put up some kind of boundary. Paul had this struggle in the Bible. We see that one time uh, he had to write a letter to, the, to one of the churches that he planted. It was the church in Corinth, the city uh, or in the, the uh, Middle East. And, uh, and so he, he, he plants this church, and pretty soon this brand new baby church is having all kinds of boundary issues. And uh, they were letting sin into their lives. They were letting division in the church. Um, they were spending time with people that they should have actually been distancing themselves from. And as they did that, the, the church just was, was steadily deteriorating worse and worse. And, and, and so what does Paul do? Well, he comes a along like a loving parent, and he establishes some boundaries in this church. And uh, you can read the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the letter, the first letter that he wrote, establishing all these boundaries. And, um, but later on, after he wrote the first letter, he writes a second letter to this church. And in the second letter, he, he gives us a bit of a glimpse into some of the, the just the, the, the emotional turmoil that he was experiencing when he wrote the first letter when it comes to possibly hurting people when you set up a boundary. And listen to what he writes. He says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. You know, isn't that just how it works? You know, what parent, as you're telling your child, no, you can't go to the football game this weekend because you didn't do your homework, you didn't do your chores, you didn't do this thing that we asked you to do, you know, what parent in that moment doesn't feel that tug of war, right? You're just like, man, I know they're so excited about this game. I know that they're so excited to be with their friends. I know that if I say no, if I put that boundary there, I know they're going to be discouraged. I know they're going to feel left out. You have that tug of war going because you don't, you don't want to hurt them. And you hesitate to establish a boundary. And Paul's been there. He, he felt sorry. He felt bad. He knew that when he, he put that boundary up for people, he knew that it would be painful and that it would hurt them. But does that stop him from establishing a boundary? Not at all. And, and this is why. He goes on to write, um, this is 2 Corinthians 7, 9. He says, now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you. So he's not this, you know, this guy who's going, man, I just want to cause a little pain here. No, he's, he's glad he sent it, and not because it hurt them. He goes on, goes on to say, I, I'm glad I sent it because they need to repent and change your ways. And establishing boundaries, I mean, let's just be clear right off the bat here. It's, it's not easy. It is not easy to establish boundaries in your, li your life. It's hard telling your child no. It, it's, it's hard telling that friend, hey, I got to just put up a, a boundary here. It, it's, it's not easy knowing that saying no is, is possibly going to hurt somebody. 
But sometimes that pain is exactly what God will use to cause them to, to repent if they need to repent of something and change their ways. And you can't let the fear of being selfish or the fear of hurting someone keep you from establishing good boundaries in your life. Because at the end of the day, they're not only about protecting you and taking care of yourself, they are also about protecting and taking good care of others. So, so how do you set boundaries? What is a good boundary? You know, talk, we're talking about healthy boundaries. What's a, what's a healthy boundary and an unhealthy boundary? How do I know exactly where, where I should be drawing the line in, in, my, in my life? And setting up boundaries actually begins by understanding two basic laws of boundaries. And these laws have been adapted from some of the work by Henry Cloud and Peter Townsend in their book, Boundaries. But at first, um, you're going to wonder, okay, what in the world do these laws have to do with boundaries? But just stick with me, because as we unpack them, you're going to see that without them, you will never be able to establish good boundaries, healthy boundaries. And the first law is this. There's two laws. The first law is this. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Scripture tells us this in Galatians 6. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So it's this principle, right, that God comes along and he says, he says, you are going to reap what you, you sow. And it's this whole principle taken from the world of farming, whatever you put in the ground, that's what you're going to get out. If you put corn seeds in the ground, you're not going to get, you know, cherry trees growing up. You're going to get corn growing up. If you put pea seeds in the ground, you're going to get peas growing up. If you put apple seeds in the ground, you're not going to get an orange tree. You're going to reap whatever it is that you sow. And it's the same thing in life, God is saying. And I think a lot of times, though, when we read this, this passage of Scripture— and if you've been around the church, and even if you're not a part of the church, you've, you've most likely heard this phrase at some point. But we hear this passage, and what's the first thing that we think? We think, oh, that's, this is God punishing us. We read it like, okay, God is coming along. He's angry and displeased because we messed up, and now he's going to give us what we have coming to us. But that is not what this is about at all. It is a law just like the law of gravity. Now, if you purposefully or even accidentally walk off a two-story building and break your leg, don't get mad at God. You know, don't get upset because God is punishing you. No, gravity is a law, and, and by the way, it's a law that is good. I mean, just think of what would be happening. This planet is going around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. If gravity wasn't here, we would all be floating off in outer space. Gravity is a good thing, but it's this, it's this law. And you breaking your leg isn't God punishing you. No, you broke a law, and it's actually the law that's, that's breaking you. And it works the same way with the law of sowing and reaping. If all you do is, is sit around all day playing video games, never doing your homework, never getting a job, if you sow lazy, irresponsible behavior, you're going to reap certain consequences later on in life. We all know how this works. You know, you're, you're, you, you won't be able to get a great job. You, you won't have a whole lot of self-respect. You won't be able to provide for your family very well. You know, if you eat lots of processed foods, if you're at McDonald's four or five times a week, pizza and soda all weekend long, never exercising, you're going to reap a lot of health problems, fatigue, lack of focus, anxiety, depression, on and on 
we could go. But on the other hand, if you sow, if you sow good work habits, and if you get up early, if you turn your work in on time, if you bust your butt on the job, you're, you're sowing a certain kind of, of, of work ethic, you will reap a good paying job. You'll work uh, work that's fulfilling to you. Um, if you live a healthy lifestyle, you eat right, you exercise, you will reap fewer health problems in life most of the time. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And you're going, okay, Rich, what does this all have to do with boundaries? Well, well here's where boundaries come in. Um, where boundary problems often arise is when someone in our, our, our lives is sowing bad things and rather than let them reap the consequences of that, we jump in and do the reaping for them. And you got to catch this, especially you in the room today that are parents. you got to catch this. It's a boundary issue when someone is sowing bad things, and rather than let them reap the consequences, we jump in and do the reaping for them. We don't establish a boundary that says, you know what? You have to reap the consequences of these actions yourself. You know, your kid maybe does nothing all day. They don't clean up after themselves. They don't put their dishes away. They're slacking off at school. They don't ever clean their room. They are sowing what? They're sowing lazy, self-centered character. But they're your precious, sweet little baby, your little child. You would never want them to get hurt. You just love them so much. And so instead of having them pick up their dishes and clean up their mess, you're like, oh, I'm just going to step in and do this for them one more time. And, and, and when they start to see that all their friends have a new iPhone or a new car, that you, you step in and you, you, you buy it for them. And do you see what you just did? Rather than let them experience the law of sowing and reaping, you did it all for them. And they never, they never learned. Going back to that gravity illustration, it's like, it's, it's like your, your kids, or, or maybe that friend in your life who keeps just doing irresponsible stuff, it's like, it's like they're that person that keeps walking off the, 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 the two-story building, and you just keep running around with your net catching them. They go again. You run over here with your net, and you catch them again. And you're just constantly catching them over and over and over again, rescuing them. They never get to experience the pain that goes, comes with sowing the wrong things. And you go, well, Rich, why is this a problem? It's a, it's a problem because the lesson that that person is learning is that it's okay to walk off two-story buildings. It's okay. One day your kid is going to graduate, and when they do, if they don't learn the law of sowing and reaping while they're at home, they will get out in the world, and the law of sowing and reaping will run them over like a freight train. They have to learn this at home. I tell my, well, not all my kids, but one who shall go unnamed the most. <laughs> tell them all the time. You got to grab this right now because life is hard. Life is hard. You have a limited amount of time in the shelter of our home, and then you're going to get out there in the world where life is hard, and if you don't catch this now, I tell them, use, I use that, that picture, it will run you over like a freight train. You have to understand this, this now. You know, there's a word for someone who is always rescuing people and never letting them feel the consequence of their bad behavior. You're an enabler. An enabler. <laughs> you enable people in all the wrong ways, and it's not helpful 
and it's not loving, even though maybe in the moment it seems so helpful and it seems so loving to do all your kids' dishes. They just create messes everywhere, and you just, you clean it all up, and you just, it feels so loving. Like, oh, I'm just going to serve my kids. But it is not loving or caring, because what's going to happen when they leave the house is they're just going to, it's, it's going to bite them in the butt. A healthy boundary is established when you stop reaping the consequences of other people's actions and instead allow them to reap those consequences. That's the only way that they'll learn. The second law is actually very closely related to the first, and it's this. You are responsible. So you reap what you sow is the first one. The second law is you are responsible. And, and part of growing up really is, is learning to take responsibility for yourself, isn't it? When you first came into this world, zero responsibilities. You were fed all the time. Someone set up your crib, your cradle, all that stuff. You didn't have to think about anything. It was just eat, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, sleep. Sounds like a good life, doesn't it? <laughs> eat, sleep, eat, sleep. No responsibility. But when you became a child, hopefully you started to learn a little bit more responsibility, right? All of a sudden, okay, now you need to learn to tie your own shoes. Hopefully... Dads and moms, you're still not tying your, your 16 or 17-year-old shoes. They need to be learning a little bit more responsibility. You have to pick up your toys when you're done playing with them. All, you, more, more and more responsibility. As you grow, so did the responsibility. You know, you, you had to drive yourself to work. Help with the cooking. Do your own laundry. And by the way, this is all good. Because if, you're not, if you don't learn that that basic law, that basic principle in life that you are responsible, again, life is hard, and it will hit, hit you like a freight train if you don't figure it out um, early on. You're being a loving parent when you give your kids more responsibility. Why? Because it's a law, a law that we'll, we either submit to or we get broken by. And in Scripture, we're, we're taught to take responsibility for ourselves really all throughout the whole course of Scripture. I mean, there, we could pull verse after verse after verse after verse. But, but just a couple here. Um, in 2 Thessalonians, it says, for when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. But, so what, is it, what, is it, what does this again have to do with boundaries? Well, boundary issues arise when we start taking responsibility for someone else's irresponsible behavior. When we start taking the responsibility on ourselves. And here's the thing, though, um, like the law of sowing and reaping, it's, it's not helping when we do that. Scripture puts it like this in this proverb. It says, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Because if you're just like blowing a fuse all the time, and, and whether it's at home or school or work, whatever it might be, there needs to be some consequences to that. And, and you will have some consequences to that. And Scripture says, they must pay the penalty. And it goes on to say this. It says, rescue them. And you will have to do it again. Why will you have to rescue them again? Because they haven't learned that irresponsible bad behavior, blowing a fuse and just getting all irate and angry, has consequences. And as a result, they don't grow, they don't change. But we want to step in when someone is, is irresponsible, and we just, we just want to kind of help them out. Um, I'll never forget the moment during my first year of college. Gone off to school. Dropped off with my dad and mom, and I'll never forget the moment where I stood in front of this strange contraption called a laundry machine. And I had no idea how to work the laundry machine. 
And this was back in the olden days, you know, before we had smartphones and Google and all that stuff. You know, I just couldn't go whip up Google how to start a laundry machine, how to do your laundry. And so I, 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 I stood there in the, the laundry room and I filled around with all these strange knobs and buttons and was trying to get this thing to work and I could just never figure it out. Why? Because my, my mom, I mean, my, my parents did a great job, no complaints at all, but my mom never taught me how to use a laundry machine. Why? Because she was stepping in and doing it for me, probably thinking, okay, I'm just going to serve my kids and love my kids. And, but I never learned that, hey, when you get out in the world, you have to do laundry. You have to do stuff. Because there's this law, and the law is you are responsible for, or you are responsible what are you responsible for? Well, you, you, we could probably just prioritize it really right here in this room. I mean, the biggest responsibility that we have is to keep our relationship with Jesus red hot. To keep that fire stoked. Keep that fire burning brightly. You know, you know what? It is, that's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Then, then you have a responsibility to keep yourself healthy and whole. Well, Rich, that's a little bit out of order. Shouldn't others be above myself? I actually don't believe that's the right order. Because if you are unhealthy, if you are just, uh, you have no good boundaries around your own personal health, if you're not making sure that you're being refreshed and you're, 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 you're spending time with Jesus and keeping your relationship with Jesus strong, if you're not looking after yourself you're not going to be in a great place to serve your spouse or to serve your kids or to serve your community because you're just going to be worn down. You have a responsibility to keep yourself healthy and whole. That's nobody's, nobody else's responsibility but yours. So to God, to yourself, and then if you're married to, to your spouse, to keep your marriage strong, then you have a responsibility to your kids, then a responsibility to others. And I would say in that order. In the first several years of my marriage, I, I set terrible boundaries in my family. And um, it's, it's honestly by God's grace that Becky and I are even together, because I just, I had, some, I had some terrible boundaries. And what I thought should have been the, the, the priority is I thought, oh, we got these, these new precious little kids I just was smitten with, and put them above Becky, but that, that was actually backwards thinking when it came to boundaries. Should have had some better boundaries around the time that I was spending with my kids and, and put, setting aside more time for, for Becky. And I see this all the time with, with especially young parents. The kids take the top priority, not the marriage. And so rather than have a date night or rather than get away for a couple nights with your, your spouse, you go, oh, that would be actually unloving towards our kids. We wouldn't be doing a great job of caring for our kids. That would be irresponsible behavior. But it's actually irresponsible not to. Because the way that you love your kids and care for your kids the most is by giving them a red-hot marriage where dad and, where dad and mom where dad and mom are passionately in love with one another, where dad and mom are fired up about one another. That's the best way that you can love your kids. I'm being serious this morning. You know, here's the thing that I didn't realize at the, t at the time, is I didn't realize that 
um, when, when you do that, you're, you're doing the most loving thing that you can do for your kids. You know, as a pastor, I've had to, I've had to learn good boundaries when it comes to um, who's responsible for your spiritual growth. Because guess what? This might come as a surprise to you, but I am not responsible for your spiritual growth. What, Rich? Yes, you are. That's irresponsible for you to say as a pastor. Because, Rich, if I'm not growing, if I'm not, if I'm not growing in my faith, if, my, if the shepherd's not feeding this sheep some good meat, I'm going to move on to a place where the shepherd is serving some good, good food for, for this sheep. Some place where I'm going to I'm going to grow. Nope. I'm not responsible. Um, my job is to crack open the Word of God like we're doing this morning. My job, Ephesians 4, 11, is to equip you for the work of the ministry so that you'll grow to be mature in Christ. My job is to help build community so to make sure that we've got leaders to lead different communities and disciple and all that kind of stuff. My job is to lead you to water, but guess what? I cannot make you drink. That's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. And it took me a little bit of a, a, a little while to figure this one out. Um, and, and probably I had to figure it out the hard way. The, the pastor who takes that resp- responsibility all on themselves is actually setting themselves up for some serious burnout. And I need to establish a boundary here. I, I can't carry that one because if I do, I'll honestly go insane. And I'll go crazy with the weight and the burden and carrying that all on myself. Because, you know, sometimes, and I, I think I've said this here before, but sometimes as a pastor, a lot of, it, it feels sometimes like my job is, 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 is somebody is walking towards that cliff. My job is to say, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't walk over that cliff. Because if you walk over that cliff, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to be good. There's going to be damage. There's going to be destruction. And you're like, okay, boop, I'm going to do it anyways. And if I take that on myself, man, there's, there, it, it's, it's going to be overwhelming. That's not on me. It is on you. Now, do we as a church and do I as a pastor, do I show compassion and do we show compassion for one another when we make mistakes and we, we fall short and, and we make screw-ups? Yes, Absolutely. If we ever don't do that, if we just become the church, it's like, yeah, well, you need to learn the consequences. Sorry, life's so hard. We're, we're missing it. Jesus, Jesus made it very clear. I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's after mercy. We, we have to be compassionate, caring, merciful people. That's just what we have to do. And, and where would we be without the mercy and kindness of our Savior? But that is different than holding yourself responsible. And a healthy boundary is established when you stop taking responsibility for other people's irresponsible behavior. That's setting up a boundary that's actually going to help you take good care of yourself and keep yourself healthy. And it's also going to be a good boundary. It's going to help them take care of themselves. And, and maybe you're going, man, I don't know how, Rich, is this even that important? Like, why? Why do, we, why do we need to be talking about all this boundary stuff? And why do we need to be talking about reaping what you sow? And you're responsible. And, and you know, why, why, why not just, like, be that parent, just loving and serving my kids? And I'm just doing everything myself and, and, and running myself to the ground, serving them. Why does that, all that stuff matter? 
Well, it's, it's so important because here's why. At the end of the day, the only person responsible for where you will spend eternity is you. It's you. And if you don't grasp that, you will live your, your life as if it's your parents' responsibility or your spouse's responsibility, your friend's. Or it's God's responsibility. No, God puts that on us. We are responsible. And the Bible makes this so clear. It says this in, in Ezekiel 18, 20. It says, the child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. You are responsible. You reap what you sow. And, and we... We help others learn this in life, not, not just parents with our kids, but, but us as grown adults with those that are in, our, are in our lives, because ultimately we want people to know that, hey, when it comes to the decision that you make about Jesus, how you respond to the person of Jesus, at the end of the day, that is on you. You are responsible. How are you doing when it comes to to setting these boundaries in your life. Parents, you know, let me just speak to parents for just a second. Where are you at when it comes to setting boundaries with your kids? Are you doing things that, that maybe you're doing because you, you, you kind of know that maybe you're doing a little too much and it, you need to be giving your kids more responsibility, you need to be letting them feel the pain of the consequences. Eh, I don't want to hurt them, so I'm just going to keep doing all that stuff. I'm just going to keep jumping in there with that safety net so they don't fall and, and hit the ground. And, and I think what God wants us to, to, to do, and, and let this be a, a moment this morning where we, where we come back to know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually establish healthy boundaries. I'm going to help them learn that they're responsible. I'm going to help them learn that they will reap what they sow. Even if, and this is so hard for us parents, even if that means they're going to experience a little bit of pain with that. Even if that's what it means. And, and by the way, laying a boundary isn't you come al coming along and simply confronting whatever it is that you're laying the boundary with, with your words. You know, if you do that over and over and over again, so let's just say you're, you're your, your kid is not doing whatever it is that you've asked them to do, and you just keep asking them over and 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 over again, you think you're laying a boundary, but what you're actually doing is you're just nagging. Laying the boundary is when you let them feel the pain of the consequence for not doing what they need to be doing. Nope, you're not going to the football game this Friday night. Nope, you're taking your phone away for the next five years. No. <laughs> Whatever it might be, right? But you let them feel the pain and the consequence of that. It's hard. But it's the only way that, that you'll be able to protect and take care of yourself. And a lot of times in life, the, only, the, the best way to take care of and protect that other person. Maybe you have a person in your life that you just know that they are not good for you. Maybe they're like that person that Paul talked about there in Scripture where they're just divisive. And all they're doing is just speaking negative. Maybe they're just talking negative about the church and they're talking negative about this person and that person. They're just going on and on about maybe the, 
the, the leadership of our state in our country, whatever it might be, but it's negative, negative, complaining, complaining, complaining. And you've noticed that whenever you're around them, that that's what's happening. And you're just dragging you down and you leave just upset and anxious and frustrated and you're just mad you want to go out and hit something. And maybe what needs to happen is you need to put up a boundary. Now, it's not starting off and going, hey, God, put some distance. I can't ever see you again. But it's like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you just go on and on and on talking negativity and, and, and just like everything's bad, it just like, it does something to my soul. And can I just ask, maybe just not, not do that anymore? <laughs> or however you put that. I don't know how you put that. And then, but then... Next week, you're back together for coffee, and it's the same thing over and over and over again, and you might need to make the boundary a little bit clearer. Hey, I, for the sake of my own emotional and mental health, I cannot be hearing this every single time we get together. If, if it doesn't change, I'm going to have to, like, get together with you less. And you get together with them again, it's the same thing, and then maybe you got to put some distance and go, hey, I don't know why you're so negative, but until you figure out what's going on, I just can't, I can't be around you. That's setting up a boundary. That's setting up a boundary. And, and, and some of you, maybe this morning, God is just speaking to you about how you need to put up that boundary. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's with a friend. There's all kinds of different places where we set boundaries. Maybe it's at work. Maybe someone's just mistreating you over and over and over and over again, and you need to confront them. Man, who loves confrontation? My guess would be probably most of us hate it. But that might be what you need to do is to set that boundary and say, hey, the way you're treating me, it's just, it's not, it's not good. And I, it's just not right. And here's why. But you set that boundary. And, and, and God is asking us to be people that, that know how to set those good, healthy boundaries. And, and, it's, and we, we don't just set them, but we establish them. Because at the end of the day, this, this is not only about our own personal health and the purpose that God's called us to, our identity, but it's even about others as well. And, and like we said last week, this is all about you being able to be the person that God has created you to be, to live the life that God has created, created you to live. And you're the only person that can decide whether or not you're going to do that. You know, let that sink in for a second. You're the only person. Now, maybe if you're a, a student living in your house, there's still, mom and dad have a, a part to play in that still, but when, when you leave the house, it's on you. It's on you. The, this guy that I've referenced quite a bit, um, Henry, Henry Cloud, he has this phrase. He writes a boundary book for, uh, specifically for leaders called Boundary for Leaders, and his phrase is this, you are ridiculously in charge. Ridiculously in charge. When it comes to setting those boundaries, it's, it's, it's you. And, and this morning, God wants you to know that you're not alone, that he'll be your help, he will be your strength, he'll be your wisdom, because these boundary lines, they're just not, I can't stand up here and say, hey, you need to set it right here. They're different in every situation. I mean, it, even as a parent, they're different in every situation. But God will be your help. God will be your wisdom as you go to him. He'll, he'll, he'll come alongside of you and let you know. Would you join me in, in closing our time together in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, there is so much nuance when it comes to setting boundaries in our lives. 
God, every relationship is different. Every relationship, God, with the different parents in the rooms, in their kids. God, even just looking in my own home, in my five different kids, and, and how the boundaries just look different for, for different ones, and it looks different for the different friends that we have in our lives and the extended family that we have in our lives. But God, I, I just know that you want us to know that this morning that boundaries are good, that boundaries are not selfish, that boundaries, um, God, are not something that we should resist because they might cause some pain. God, you want us to know this morning that boundaries are, are a good thing. So Lord, I pray that you would help, you'd help us. God, I pray for that person who's here today, God, who's maybe watching online, and they're going, okay, I know what the boundary is that I need to set. Maybe it's a parent at home, maybe it's someone with their, their boss, and how their boss has just been mistreating them. They know the boundary that needs to be set, but they are terrified of that confrontation. They're terrified of what will happen if they say no. And so, Lord, I pray that, that this morning, though, that, that, Lord, you would just, just reassure them, God, that, that, Lord, as they do this, that, that, God, they can have faith in you and trust in you, that, that Lord, on the other side of that, that boundary that they set, that, Lord, you're going to work through that somehow. And I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, we would, we would trust you in this. Lord, you're the one that set these laws in, in play, sowing and reaping responsibility. And Father, I pray that, that, Lord, as we act on those and that, Lord, as we set boundaries around those, that, Jesus, we would, would know you enough and trust you enough to just leave the result of that boundary in your good hands. So help us in that, I pray. And then, Lord, I pray that out of this, that, Jesus, we would just have a such a clear understanding of who we are, who you created us to be, and who you didn't create us to be. And that, Jesus, that would help us and give us wisdom in setting boundaries. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together today. God, it's been so good, so encouraging, being with your people, lifting high your name. God, just being reminded about how you are enough for us, how there's nothing in this world that satisfies like you do. God, reminded about how amazing your grace is. God, may we walk out of this room today, God, with a heart of worship, God, with a heart set on you, and God, with a heart willing to go and to serve you, God, however you lead us to that. God, I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, you go.